Hello, and welcome to episode 98 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the comparatively mediocre-sized can of whoop-ass, Alessandro Boyelsi. Say hello, Al. Genocide schmenocide. On this week's episode, what we shouldn't be watching, the Nolan teaser, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Hobbs and Shaw. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Loud! <laughs> Hey, he's... I, I, you know, it's funny. I was going to do that. I was like trying to watch you so that I could yell it at that time. But uh, I know I, fu- you, you I, I fooled guard. you because I managed to do it while sending a text off. Um, yeah, that was. <laughs> um, yeah, we're drinking oh loud, hazy double IPA from Almanac Beer Company. That's not what I'm familiar with. I just happened to see this on the shelf in a make your own six pack area. And I was like, ooh. This and you're like, Anthony likes those words. Yeah, I like these words. I'm going to buy him this beer. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a... Uh, sorry, I'm still sending off that text. Um, <laughs> Almanac Beer Company. This is Focus. <laughs> th- this beer is dank. It's tropical. It's smooth. It's 8.3% alcohol by volume. It's a, <laughs> it's a hazy double IPA dry hopped with mosaic and Denali hops. And it comes in pints. Came in a pint. It's obnoxiously dry hopped with mosaic and Denali. Loud, double IPA, <laughs> screams with juicy tropical flavors of mango and pineapple and has a crazy hazy mouthfeel. I'm excited. <laughs> I told you it was going to be a fun read. This is a, this is a trip. Uh, it's got mosaic and Denali hops and it's got Pilsner and oats for the malt. They really want you to know about those hops. Yeah. Uh, they said it like four times on the can. They've mentioned Mosaic and Denali multiple times. Um, it's positively screaming with juicy tropical flavors. I'm ready to, I'm ready to have it. Loud! <laughs> Cheers me. I'm very excited for this one. Thud. Sorry, I don't have any glass here, so I flicked my, my glass. Mm, that is juicy. Oh, that yeah. Is screaming with juicy tropical flavors. You. You. You've done yourself in. Of this mango is... and pineapple. This... This done yourself in. No, that's that's a negative thing. No, yeah, I didn't do myself in. Um, no. <laughs> I, I think you and I did myself <laughs> You outdid yourself is exactly what I was trying to say. This, I... I'm going to have to track this one down again because this is Absolutely. tasty. This is getting a high Ooh. rating. This is double thumbs. This is double thumbs. thumbs. This is going to be in excess of four on, the, on our uh, scale. It's going to be like mm. a 4.423 probably. Um, Give me more of that. You know, I listened back to the first ten minutes of last week's episode because mm. I, uh, I I was decidedly not sober, which I said pretty early on in the episode, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. so I did hear that part where we talked about the rating. When, you, when you say that, decidedly not sober, it makes me because you've said that before. Have I? And it makes yeah. And it, it <laughs> what I get out of that is you're clearly drunk, but you're holding it together. Only now willing to say it. <laughs> uh, it was just. You know, it's a moving target. Um, I, you know, I, sure. I had some whiskey. I had a couple glasses of wine, um, and then I had a beer. And then we started the show, and I started drinking more beer. So, like, like I wasn't sober, dude. I don't know what my deal is lately, but I will have a don't get me started. Nice gla- <laughs> <laughs> I will have a nice glass of scotch, and I'll be fine. It'll be great. Um, I won't feel anything. I'll just be enjoying my glass, and then the next day I'll have a. A treehouse beer, and as soon as I stand up, I'm like, whoa, 
And, <laughs> and I don't know what's happened to me. And I feel like beer is affecting me more than straight liquor. It should days. be the other way around. And alcohol I'm, is alcohol. I'm aware how it should work. <laughs> and alcohol is alcohol, but... Um, I mean, some people do just have slightly better tolerances for some things versus others. And it's also, I'm it's sure, context matters. I mean, if you're sitting down to a glass of whiskey, is it maybe after dinner drink? If you're yeah, having it's, it's the usually beer, a later. is it on an empty stomach? You know what I mean? The stomach wasn't empty. I do think the sun played a factor. I was out. Sun is an underrated sun. factor. I was working on, a, on like a side project. And like I had this, I just had like my beer out there, and like the sun was beating, so that's probably what it was. It was also it was like mid Saturday. Nice little day drink. So it was like little I guess day like, drink. Yeah, it was great. It was like it was like one of those special. It was like you know Frank gave me a care package as usual, and uh, there's always some gems in there. And I actually have one for you, which I'll be giving to you next Ooh, time I see you. I have a couple to bring um, up for you too, including excellent. Oh my god, we just have a roster, including the <laughs> ones that um, Mike. Uh, hey Mike. Um, including the ones that Mike brought for me that I forgot to give you last time I saw you. Um, not, mm. not that it matter because we're like our like ben- we're stacked our bench right is now. stacked like thirty yeah. deep right now. So yeah, the uh, the beer shelf is legit. We're good. Right we're now. good through mid twenty twenty. We've got a what do we what would we say we'd probably have episode one twenty five in there. Oh yeah, easily something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, I'm gonna have to track this one down again though because I really like this and we should get back to talking about this a little bit more because. I, a lot of times when you hear, oh, it's like fruity and tropical and this and that, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what, if you didn't tell me that ahead of time and I just took a sip, you'd be like, mm, the, you know, there's some sweet, like, fruit notes to yeah, whatever. Like, right. I didn't need them to tell me that there was pineapple and mango flavors in this. They're mm-hmm. pretty evident. And it's, it's, it's a delight. Um, it is, it is a delight. <laughs> and not like that garbage movie. <laughs> But it is that, that's one of my favorite running jokes that we've had for now, like thirty episodes. Or you know what? I'm people say that people will use like that was a delight, and I I have a crisis now. Like I don't like I don't like do I? Can I trust this person? <laughs> it's a I don't know. It's you can always trust me to find a way to get under your skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I am. Thank you for this. It's, I needed this. It's strong. I needed loud. This. I needed this too. It's definitely loud. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a uh, pretty color too, and it's like it's Got funny little... because it's like it's almost crystal clear towards the bottom, but it's very hazy towards the top. And yeah, also and there's, little, there's all that sediment. <laughs> yeah, I just noticed there's also a lot of junk floating around in there. It's like very light, very pale straw colored. It's got a nice little bit of head retention. Some mm. some well. It's not fingers. Fingers is wine, but there's a word for that too with the the, the foam up the side of the glass. Legs is wine, I thought. Or legs wine. Then maybe it's fingers for beer. I don't know. Maybe some sort of. I poured myself two fingers of scotch. Some sort of appendage. Uh, <laughs> there's there's two inches of residue. Yeah. Is what I. No, I, I do. I appreciate. Is that good? I appreciate the uh, the the hop fruitiness balance is really good for this. Um, this is a damn good beer. I'm thinking this is going to get yeah. a four point two five. On the uh, thumbs up on um, little four, little four, on, on thumbs.com? What were you? <laughs> no, I said on the Don't go there. Up, and I realized it was no. that we're doing the two thumbs up. No, what the hell is that? Our app. What the hell is that? Untapped? App? Untapped, that's it. Like, Jesus. Thumbs up, like. That was extreme. Your thumbs. I'm going my, to put myself in the, the penalty box for a couple of minutes. You just go with the show for a little bit. <laughs> that's fun. Man, this is a. Uh, very happy with this. I. Have you had anything else by them? 
No, I said, uh, no, I don't that's know if right. it yeah. was before we started recording. I've never heard of them before. You know what? That always gets me tripped up because I want the information on here, but I don't know if we've talked about it before we hit the button yet. Yeah. So uh, sorry if we repeat ourselves. That's a little little inside recording baseball. Um, okay, so let's dive into some news and nuggets, shall we? Okay. The first one I want to talk about is Tenet because I was lucky enough to see the teaser. Yeah, I forgot to look it up again and see if it's online yet. Um, and I walked into this movie with like the final three seconds of the last trailer before the movie started. So I don't even know what aired before our movie. So so let me let me break this one down for you. And now I, you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm sure the listeners will as well. You already know the Dunkirk story, that teaser, uh, yeah. me knowing immediately that. Okay, I was looking in my popcorn bag. I was trying to figure out, are there any kernels that are not completely destroyed in here? Like, I was getting annoyed. I was looking inside of the bag, and I'm hearing this music start to play, and I go, what is this, funky Hans Zimmer? <laughs> and I look up, and I see syncope, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, is this going to be, is this the Nolan movie? And it, sure enough, it is. And I was like, did he just replace Hans Zimmer with funky Hans Zimmer? It's like dark, ominous, funky tones. It's great because like the like the first time they didn't use um, Williams for Star Wars, they used Michael Giacchino. And I, I remember watching, I was like, this totally sounds like someone trying to do a Star Wars who isn't yeah. John Williams. I said, do, who isn't a Star do Wars. a Star Wars. <laughs> Go see a Star Wars. Go see a, here's $10. Go see a Star Wars. Uh, no, but it, so I got to see that. Uh, no, granted, the... The teaser teaser is um, is overselling it. This is a tickle. There's <laughs> there's nothing here. There's absolutely no. We do a little bit of a we do a little Inception. Turn the camera over. Uh, we do a little uh, one character on screen. Uh, Denzel Washington's son. What's his name? Um, John David, David Washington. Washington. Uh, his character on screen looking at a bullet hole in what looks like that. Um, what's that glass that has the mesh in it? Bulletproof glass. It's not bulletproof glass though, because there's a bullet hole in it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like reinforced glass. Just a good bullet. Hole. We had it in high school, <laughs> so that you wouldn't go through it. Oh, uh, okay. It, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a bullet hole in it, and he's got like this disturbed look on his face, and then he looks through another bullet hole, like another like few inches to the right of that, and then it does that little flippy camera turny thing. That's pretty much it. Uh, oh, I, I thought, guess I like thought a, I'd heard because I had heard that that was a part of it. I thought it was a little bit more substantial. I thought it was like meant to be like they showed him wa- watching it and then they showed him watching it like again from like an alternative thing. Because that's what I gather out of the flip, like the way that it orients the camera. But at the end of the day, it just feels like it's a, it's like a tone piece. It's fine. Uh, but I was immediately excited. Obviously, it's like I knew what was happening. I hate I, like, I hate how many different names there are for teasers and trailers because there's teasers there's trailers there's extended teasers there's a now a tickle there's a tone piece there's a sizzle reel that i guys just make it easy on me teaser is short trailer is long that's it those are the only names we need that's it those are the only two uh i don't know that's how it should be but as we've discussed in the past, I've never heard of trailers a, are too long i've never heard tone piece used in this context before i it's too much for me it's almost like a. Uh, what if we get into like video game territory and it's a vertical slice? Uh, you know, I heard you say that to Brian a few weeks ago, or texted to Brian. I don't remember. And I was like, you know, I only just figured out what the fuck that was like a couple months ago. 
Which, on, you're just like, fuck you. Which, you know what? I, on the one hand, though, I was like, kind of like, oh, I remember just learning about that term. I know mm-hmm. what he's talking about. But on the other hand, I'm like, guys. And it's, it's because very, you're it's, a programmer. That's why you did it. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, I get it. Like, but. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it, it's very much. It's Good Burger. And you're reading through it. And you're like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. I know some of these words. Yeah. <laughs> Vertical slice. Anyway, not, there's really not much there. It's just so uh, douchey. <laughs> but it's it I, I'm ex- it is very douchey. But I'm excited for it, uh, obviously. And it's just it's so crazy. Like even if you go on the IMDb, if you go on the IMDb page now and go to look, it's just like not much is known about the plot of this movie. <laughs> I, I think that's debuted been part of like the debut info of like every single Nolan movie for the last like five ones. It's like, just so good. And like pre IMDb on like whatever like the forerunner to that was, whether it be like. I was going to go with uh, Mr. Skinner, Flesh of the Stars, you know. <laughs> was <it> whatever <laughs> whatever pre-IMDB. He's even got a better name than ours. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's just like, can I, where Where do I just, can I just give them the, the money now? Like, just give me, I'll give you a date and time of when I want to go. Like, how do we, let's work this out. You know, when you said tone, tone piece, I was thinking of uh, Cloud Atlas when he's talking about the first thing, uh, when, um... When Frobisher talks about the first thing he writes with Vivian Ayres, and he says, it's the most accomplished tone poem I'm aware of. And I was like, mm. oh my god, could you be a bigger douchebag? <laughs> yeah, for, for, for more on that, you should listen to our Cloud Atlas episode. It gets deep. Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, why don't, you know what? Why don't you give me a news? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you. I'm throwing it to you. I can give you a new. Um, let's talk about the game Goldeneye. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Sorry, I meant to bring this on my computer, and I realized I have it on my phone, so just give me two... It's all good. We're going to skim through really quick. Sorry, this is me just filling the dead air. We're going to skim through real quick something on Uproxx by Nathan Birch called 12 Killer Facts About the N64 Classic Goldeneye. Killer Facts. Right. Is it like FAQs? Not exactly. Remember Game Facts? I do. I miss Game Facts. Game Facts was the shit. Um, GoldenEye 007 was developed... Hey, I'm sorry. Quick aside on Game Facts. So there's this game called Uninvited that we were obsessed with as kids. Yeah, is and you and Brian was, just talking about that? or? Uh, no, I don't know if he's played it. I'll have to ask him. Or but I, it's I, a, that name just crossed my desk recently. My virtual desk. This, <laughs> this, is an NES, <laughs> this is an NES game that I had that came in a large garbage bag full of NES games that we don't ask questions about where they came from. Tremendous. Yeah, it was just dumped onto the floor Actually, that, and we played all that the games. Game, that name of that game might have come up in this article I'm going to read you. Or Excellent. parts of so, it I'm going to read you. I, I definitely just heard about Uninvited recently. And I've heard of it in the past, but like... like Probably from me, because I'm obs- I'm still obsessed with this game. I've never beaten it. And here's and this is what GameFAQs... Oh, or no, that here. was the thing that was in the... the um, the game that you that wasn't that the game that you and Carly were playing when you gave us the the groomsman the your gift yes that's yes. why I'm thinking of but I feel like it just crossed my desk virtually that's what it was recently <laughs> that's too. what it was but that was like, there's it, a right. reason that's sticking in my mind the game is amazing it's so in I mean I don't know if it actually is I'm just I have I'm drawn to it just because of the nostalgia that I have for it uh, you you remembered off the top of your head a disturbing amount of how to play that game. Yeah, and it's because I'm scarred, because like, I've never been able to beat it. And here's why this is infuriating. Uh, I would play that game for hours and hours and hours. I'd play that game with friends for hours and hours and hours. Uh, years later, I would go, you know what? 
this is the weekend. And I got an emulator, and I got the ROM, and I downloaded the game facts, and I played it. And I was going through it page by page, beat by beat, got to the very end, use the crucifix on the guy. This is one of those adventure games, you click the thing, you say use on X. Use the crucifix on the guy. Cool, going through the inventory, going through the inventory, going through the inventory, no crucifix. <laughs> I was like, this can't be true. Going back through the guides, at no point did they have me grab a crucifix. And I was, I, I lost it. <laughs> and I thought that was going to be the last time I played this game until that day. Then we played it together. Did you end up going back and finding the crucifix? Uh, no, that was it. Was over at that point. There's the game. I'm pretty sure it was like a game breaking type thing where like you're in the room now and that's it. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, that's it's upsetting. Uh, but that was back when you couldn't patch a game. So this also reminded me of like both of two separate things that are almost the same. Where um, what the hell is that? The Ernest Klein book that became a movie that you wanted to see that I, Ready, Ready Player, Player One. One. Um, with the whole thing, what was the game that they were playing on the? Was it on the Commodore or whatever? Like, what was the name of the the game that they were playing that he had to figure out like the secret room to or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Adventure? It might have been just called Adventure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is reminding me of that where it's like it's not about beating the game; it's about going into the secret room and finding this thing and blah 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 and. The same thing happened kind of in Halt and Catch Fire, one of the games that um, that the girl develops and that she, the whole thing, like everyone's playing the game and no one understands how to play the game and finally the the other one, I can't remember, holy shit, I can't remember a single person's name on that show. <laughs> Not one of them. There's four main characters and I can't think of, uh, four and a half main characters, I can't think of a single one of their names right now. Um, and I can't think of the actresses either, so <laughs> that's pointless. <laughs> Um, the, There's the, main the other, the other dude, she, main girl, mainy main face. Yeah. <laughs> so main dude's wife always butted heads with young upstart girl, who, um, <laughs> who developed the game, and finally main girl's wife, a uh, main guy's wife, uh, plays the game, and she's the only one who could figure out how to play and beat the game, and it was like symbolic of how they eventually had become friends briefly before the weird time jump and the divorce. Spoiler alert for Holt and Catch Fire, guys. Uh, it was a good show, but yeah, there yeah. was a whole thing that was like adventure, and in the end, like this, like there's this like weird alien-looking explorer dude that you play as, and you're just wandering. There's no combat or anything. You're wandering and puzzling and this and that, and there was this whole other thing that like leads you into this other realm, and the game ended up being all about like reuniting with like the person's child or something like that, the creepy alien's child or something like that. It was it was very meta, uh, <laughs> and that's why no one understood <laughs> it. And this is reminding me of those two things. We haven't had a wild tangent in a while. Yeah, that one was pretty wild. Um, well, so I appreciate getting it. Getting back to Goldeneye. Uh, it was Take your time. It was developed by <laughs> only nine people, eight of which had never worked on a game before. I'm sorry. What? That's a thing? Yep. Given the depth and complexity of Goldeneye 007, you might surmise that the game was a major priority for Nintendo and the game's developer Rare, but you'd be wrong. Development of the game be the development of the game began in late 1994 based on a pitch by a mid-level programmer named Martin Hollis, who had just finished up working on Killer Instinct, his first game with the company. They liked the pitch enough to greenlight the game, but they weren't overly enthusiastic, so they gave Hollis a skeleton crew of rookies. That's really funny. With his impressive single-game credit, he was the only guy on the nine-person crew with any actual hands-on experience. In a strange way, though, that naivete actually helped the game, according to GoldenEye team member Graham Norgate. Can you reread that sentence, but do it more Moira-like? In a strange way, though, that naivete actually 
built <laughs> the game according to GoldenEye team member Graham Norgate. <laughs> but what about the payback? <laughs> Uh, because it was most people's first game, we did things we might not do again because it was too much work. We didn't take the easy route. If something sounded like a good idea, it was like, yeah, let's do it. The world was our oyster. Only afterwards would you find out it was a world of pain. The world is not enough. Yeah. Uh, GoldenEye was originally envisioned as both an SNES platformer and an on-rails shooter. Oh my god. <laughs> because in 1994, the SNES was still viable and... First-person shooters weren't a thing that they thought consoles would work back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, they thought that recent... You might expect that recently released Doom or Duke Nukem would be Hollis's inspiration, but it was actually the on-rails arcade shooter Virtua Cop that convinced him to make a Bond shooter. Um, it was going to be... Oh, hang on a second. Uh, basically, all 16-bit licensed games, it was going to be a 2D platformer. Aside from his eagerness to leap between the sheets, I'm not sure James Bond is really all that much into jumping, and neither was Hollis, who boldly <laughs> insisted the game be a shooter. <laughs> For being oh, on yeah. Uproxx, this was actually written pretty incredibly well. Um, and then uh, he ended up... Uh, basically, the idea was for the missions to be tightly controlled scenes, heavily inspired by the movies, rather than the more open-ended stages we got in the final game. So what changed his mind? Oh. Mario 64. He got an eyeful of an early build of Super Mario 64. He realized that Unreal's gameplay was soon going to be obsolete and took Goldeneye in a new direction. Holy crap! The game was going to feature beautifully rendered gore. Um, for a while, we had some <laughs> That's not James Bond. some gore. It was a flipbook of about 40 textures, beautifully rendered gore that would explode out. When I saw it the first time, I thought it was awesome. It was a fountain of blood. And I thought, this might be a bit too much red. <laughs> um, Shigeru Miyamoto wanted the game to end with you shaking hands with all your enemies at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps unsurprisingly, Nintendo's twinkly-eyed master designer oh Shigeru Miyamoto wasn't wild about all the gunplay and murder packed into Goldeneye. It's a, touch, it's a touch hypocritical considering all the wanton turtle violence in his games, but hey, you don't question Miyamoto-san. <laughs> the turtle violence! <laughs> Late in the development, he sent Rare a fax, requesting they reduce the game's violence, or failing that, have the game end with you shaking the hands of all the game's enemies in the hospital, showing you hadn't actually killed them all. Oh my god. Hey, even the creator of Mario and Zelda is, occasional, is allowed the occasional bad idea. But they did take his advice. The, they didn't have him shaking hands in an overstuffed emergency room, but they added a credit sequence where all the characters, including generic ones like Russian soldier and scientist, were introduced as if they were actors in a movie. It was a, it was a nice cinematic touch, but <laughs> it also sent the, me the subtle message that Goldeneye the game was just as artificial as Goldeneye the movie. All the characters you shot were just quote-unquote actors and nobody really died. This is enough to yeah. mollify Miyamoto and the game shipped with no real customers violence, minus the gore kind of coming out of it. And I'll tell that to the the times that I played when I would set off the alarm and just stack bodies <laughs> on top of bodies. <laughs> well, sorry, for seconds before they disappeared. I thought you'd find this part really interesting. The game's legendary multiplayer mode was thrown together in a month. Mm -hmm. From the dam to the antenna cradle, GoldenEye single-player missions were mostly top-notch, but it was game's multiplayer mode that elevated the game to classic status. GoldenEye remains one of the best same-couch multiplayer experiences in gaming history and continues to inspire ultra-popular multiplayer shooters like Call of Duty to this day. While surprisingly, this vital feature was never in the official plans for GoldenEye, the multiplayer mode was the brainchild of programmer Steve Ellis, who decided, with one month of development time left, to add multiplayer entirely on his own. Knowing the higher-ups would almost oh, surely... God. <laughs> knowing that the higher-ups would almost surely decide there were better uses of his time, he set about getting up 
some of his multiplayer mode without informing or getting permission from anybody at Rare or Nintendo. The first time anybody but Steve saw multiplayer in action was when it was completely finished. At that point, it was so far past its deadline, everybody in charge just shrugged and decided to leave it in. Wow. That is insane. And that's like, that is like the defining characteristic of that game. Absolutely. Could you imagine making a multiplayer game? Oh my god. Ma- making a multiplayer component of a game that could actually stand up in a month with one person? I love the tacked on nature of it because it makes so much more of it make so much sense. So like, I don't know if you had a, do you remember Game Shark? Mm-hmm. It was, it was not nearly as cool as Game Genie, in my <laughs> opinion. But uh, I had a, the Game Shark set up for the N64. You can kind of mess, you can tweak with a couple of things there. One of the things you could do with Goldeneye was you can make the doors, uh, I, I don't know, you could walk through the doors. Yeah. You can make them non-barriers. And if you did that for the multiplayer, you can go into the rest of the level. Hmm. And it worked. The game still worked. Like, it didn't break. Surprising. Like, which was, yeah, it was, it was wild. I, really cool. But I feel like that's what makes that make sense, right? Because yeah. Because it's like, if they're just like, well, let's just use what we have. And partition and it. block off a piece of it for what makes sense here. Because that also, like, there were levels that just didn't make sense yeah. for multiplayer well, in there, yeah. too. Which, that's, that's really great. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just picturing, so cool. it, it takes, like, four months for them to get, like, today with, like, online play. It takes, like, four months for them to iron out all the kinks of just hosting and getting a match to start. After the game has released. After the game has released. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Not the, on a di- in addition to the four months it takes of trying to oh plan it out from like how buggy these things are at, at launch. Like, it's insane. That's wild. You know what's so funny, though, about that? As amazing as this is and groundbreaking as that game was and how uh, just the clout that it holds, like, with everybody from that time. You ever go back and try to play that? I did once, like five years ago, and rough. I was, I was, I was decidedly not sober. So as it was, it was problem for me to try and pick it back up again. I was like, it man, is... I remember playing so much of this, and still probably like one tenth the amount you played of it because I didn't own an N sixty four. Sure. Um, and also, I was like eight. Um, it was, uh, it was a learning curve getting back into the game. So like so much so that I barely accomplished anything just trying to play it for five minutes. Goldeneye is the definition of something not holding up. Yeah, yeah. It's rough. Um, but that being said, if I see a screen grab from it or like the box art, definitely get the chills. <laughs> definitely. Oh man. What a I spent there was a lot I there are a lot of hours in that game. I'm sure. Uh specifically with the game shark too, because I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But oh my god, that's that's nice. What, what were some of the other... Was that all the facts? No, I have um, Rare wanted... Just list- this was another cool one and also insane. Just insane. Mm-hmm. Rare wanted players to pull out and reinsert the rumble pack to reload their guns. Oh my god. It sounds like such a cool gimmick, but also would have been insane and would have resulted in 5 million broken controllers. Oh, absolutely. That would never work. Um, Remember the rumble pack? Remember when you needed to add something onto your controller for it to rumble? I sure do. Man, did that make the controller heavy. (laughs) Man, did it make that tiger claw heavy. What the hell was that thing? Um, wasn't it? What the hell is the name of that weapon? That, the, the... It's a trident. No, well, yes, but I was thinking of the, (laughs) I 
like the ninja weapon with the the one long blade and the two short blades that you use. A sigh? Yes, yes, that. Yeah, yeah. Because it makes you sigh when you look at it. Boo. (sighs) Sorry, (laughs) let's go on. Many of the game's textures... Get us out of here. (laughs) Many of the game's textures are based on photographs from the actual film set. One of the things that set, set it apart at the time was how true it was to its movie counterpart. This game really felt like a blocky, somewhat blurry, interactive version of a Bond movie. The accuracy was due to the fact that Rare got, at the time, unprecedented access to the GoldenEye movie set. They visited several times and were given all manner of production materials, and a lot of the game's textures were literally just ripped from photographs that him and his company took on set. Even today, a lot of movie-based games wish they could get the kind of corp- uh, cooperation that Rare team got. That's pretty crazy, but didn't did the game came out like... a it was in a couple years or a year and a half, like after the. Yeah, movie. I think the movie was in '95 and the game came out in '97. Yeah, that's and that's wild. Yeah, but the produ- oh, question production started in '94 though. I've got I've got a golden eye question for you that you might. I'm hoping that you know the answer to because this is something like I came across in a video and I was curious, but not curious enough to continue down the rabbit hole of research. The scene where he rides the motorcycle off the. The, the jetway, whatever, the, the runway, and then catches the plane. Mm. You know that scene? Yes. Real stunt? I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen that specific scene. Okay. The, what I was watching was claiming that that was a real stunt. Meaning like Pierce Brosnan did it or like... No, meaning a person did that. Okay. I mean, I would say that based on my very foggy memory of it, I don't see why it couldn't. Why the, pla- the plane goes off the cliff and down. Oh. He dives off of the motorcycle, catches the plane. Yeah, then no. Goes pro- in the plane and pulls it up. Um, probably not in the sense of, okay. like, it, them actually driving off a cliff. Um, probably him jumping onto a plane. Yes, they're just playing with the orientation of cameras and stuff like that. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's what we're looking That at. would be my guess. I'm going to need more information on this. <laughs> I want to believe it's true because that would be amazing. They're probably green screened and the plane is probably on fucking wires and they probably like green screened on the spinning of turbines or rotors so it didn't like buzzsaw someone and he probably did uh-huh. jump off of a small ledge onto the plane. You know what I mean? Like five feet onto the plane while it was being suspended by like cables or some shit. Like so. No, no, no. no. You, I don't think you're. You, I don't think you're fully remembering this. Definitely scene. not because I don't the the plane is 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 going straight down yeah. and he is diving straight down, catches the door of the plane and pulls himself in. Yeah, what I'm saying is if they had that very cause it was wind a small machine, problem, wind like, machine and wires. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. see why. I mean, it would be expensive okay. as shit, but I don't know why you couldn't sure. do it. You know what I mean? Huh. Um, but what if it is real? See that's see that's when the that's when you start to wonder. It's a like, ballsy move. I feel like that's if, I feel if, like that's a Jackie Chan only stunt. If that's real, why aren't we still talking about it? Like, that's what, that's what I want to know. <laughs> um, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, and Timothy Dalton are hidden in the game's code. Yep. Um, apparently, they were scratched last minute because it was someone eventually came to their senses and said, "This is a GoldenEye specific game, not a generic yep. James Bond." Yeah, I've, I've read that before. Um, the, the watch that Bond wears actually tells time. Get the hell out of here. The, the watch that was like the menu. Why? Like the screen, <laughs> yeah. You, like, the, the hands actually keep accurate time to whatever you had the system set to. That's, that's great. 
I like that. Um, a version of GoldenEye was in development for the Virtual Boy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we could be playing a game where, like, you're telling me a fact that I have to tell you if it's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo almost canceled GoldenEye mid-development and thought the game would be a flop. Damn. Could you imagine? Well, no one could, I guess. Well, I can because Rare turned down the opportunity to make another James Bond game. Despite the huh. runaway success of GoldenEye, Nintendo and Rare never made another 007 game, which you may have assumed was because Nintendo cheaped out and let the Bond license lapse. That's what I always thought, but actually the exact opposite was true. Nintendo was enthusiastic about doing a game based on the next Bond movie, Tomorrow Never Dies. And Rare Hollis- was like, been there, done that. But Hollis decided <laughs> one Bond game was enough and turned the opportunity down. Shockingly, Nintendo was apparently fine with this. Of course, Rare did work on GoldenEye's spiritual successor, Perfect Dark, Although that game only sold around 1.5 million copies to GoldenEye's 8. But hey, I suppose it's appropriate that Rare's relationship with James Bond was a one-night stand. They're like, dude, make another one. And he's like, no. And they come on, it was so good. And he goes, no. And they were like, all right. <laughs> like, that's, that's how that conversation sounded to me. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was a fun little, uh, little article. That is great. So. That is great. Good, good find. Good fun. All right, moving on. Uh, things we should not be watching. Uh, not something that we've done before. I was a I was a big fan of House of Cards. Wait, sorry. Did you say things we should not be watching? Yeah, I did. See, you, uh, wait. Oh, yeah. I want to get back to this even before we get started, which sounds very <laughs> confusing, but it's not. Whoa. Me. <laughs> um, do you remember a couple of months ago me telling you I have zero interest in watching the final season of that show? Yes. Do you understand now why? Uh, yeah, but you don't. Uh, No, I know what the very final scene was. Okay. Alright, so you have a general idea. I do. It's... The the finale of the sixth season is a better series finale than the seventh season existing. (laughs) Even though it's technically like a cliffhanger? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. You could... Because let your imagination run wild, right? Yeah. Like, oh, if you want, and also let it be a commentary, right? Like, like, oh, this ridiculous cycle of nonsense is going to keep on going. Which, like that, which that's, was kind of the whole idea. Yeah. Uh, the ending of, of the actual show, um, I would say spoilers, but I'm saving you. It's terrible. Don't just, it's not worth it. And I'm really annoyed because here's what's actually, here's what's infuriating. The season's actually got some really interesting things going on in it. Uh, for the most part, I was engaged i wanted to see where it was going and then i realized and this is where uh, i should have i should have known what was happening uh we start kim and i started watching it we're an episode in she falls asleep she wakes up there's one episode left and <laughs> there's uh and i was like you know what we'll watch it tomorrow and i will catch you up there's not much to say <laughs> wait how many episodes were in the final season seven Oh, okay. Because the the, yeah. the other seasons were all like thirteen episodes. Yeah, I know. This was it, this was shorter and unnecessary. Uh, and I was like, I was getting, I was explaining to her like where we're at, like what are the things that have happened since she's fallen asleep. I don't think she feels like she missed anything. And uh, then I, after I was done explaining it in ten minutes, I was like, oh, there's not a lot here. <laughs> it's a good thing I spent six hours watching something I explained in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, I. uh... I'm I'm a little upset about it. So here's the thing. We before the movie that we we're gonna review today, before I went to go that night was the night that I finished it. 
uh, well, finished the house cards. I was like, I just, I drove to the movie theater, like, in silence, <laughs> and I fumed. Like, that's, like, that, that's, I was so, I was just so annoyed. I was like, I should, I really, I should have just not bothered. Um, I'm just, uh, it's it just, they, they really, like, just leave it. It's okay, I'm okay with, I was okay with, like, it just being over, too. Like, that could have been fine. And considering the circumstances, yeah. it didn't need to be, quote-unquote, corrected, you know what I mean? Like, no. It, it could was... have just been enough at that point. It took them so long to make it. It was such trouble production. It was, like, jerked around left and right, and they weren't gonna give, like, they gave a short shrift where it's only seven episodes, you said, right, instead of... 13 is half the amount of time it's like completely tacked on you've refocused entirely un in a way that you weren't prepared for for an entirely like losing the main character of the show mm-hmm. that's why i didn't want to see it and then when i heard what the ending was i felt vindicated in choosing not to watch it they i feel like they should have jumped the shark and like blown up the white house or something speaking of jumping in the shark we're going to talk about that later okay excellent <laughs> Like, actually jumping a shark. Um, happy days. So... Yep, yep, exactly that. It, it's, uh... It, Adam, just, just don't... Well, that, that's what we should not be watching. Um, and I will say... You were... I feel like you were still... You were considering at some point in the future getting to it. I, I was for a while, but by the time I said yeah. it on the show, I had basically made my decision. Okay, cool. Good. You made the proper choice. Um, things that I'm finished watching is next. Oh, nice. So Arrow's... Well, it's not over. There's one more season. Here's what I think is really interesting about this. So I just... I finally finished the the previous season of Arrow. I'm pretty sure the next stuff starts, like, in a couple of months. I don't know. Because I was behind. So I finished the last season of it. And uh, for the past, like, two to three seasons, Arrow's been trash. It's not been a good show. Early on, it was really enjoyable. I really liked the show when it started. I really liked it for the first few seasons. I was super engaged. I loved every character. Uh, Granted, this is a, it's a glorified soap opera. Like, this is a CW (laughs) show. Like, that's what these shows are. And I I, I eat it up. Like, The Flash, I love The Flash. Still love The Flash. See, I have, like, I don't want to say, like, act like I'm completely above it, because some of the things I've watched have definitely, like, flirted with being soap opera-y, and that's fine. Um, but I definitely have, like, a low, like, tolerance of it. Where it's like, you know what I mean? Like, if I have one show that's in my rotation that satisfies that, like, I'm good. I don't need any more. These shows feel more, like, directly off the page of a comic book than most, like, live-action media for comics does. But I think for the most part, like, I'm good with them not feeling like that all the time. That's fine. No, oh, that's that's totally fine. Uh, but I think it I wor- I, it works in this hour long format, this hour long monster of the week like big thing that I have to deal with, and like they have the long storyline that goes through. The se- the the seasons are a little too long. That's very obvious um, because there are there are episodes that just really don't impact the main plot at all. <laughs> See, what, why, why do they decide to do this? Like, when there's we, when we finally broke through that barrier where so many TV shows can succeed with having seasons that are, like, six episodes long or eight episodes, like, why do they still insist on just ordering an egregious number of episodes of a show? You know I, I, mean? I don't really know, but I will say there's something different about it where when I say it doesn't matter to the plot, the episode ends up still being enjoyable. 
Yeah, but eventually, eventually it does wear on you a bit, even if the quality is relatively good. Sure. Um, that's fair. But, like, like, like that's we, we talked about it a few times over the years. That, that, that was directly what why the Netflix shows struggle at times. If they mm. had just made most of those seasons, like, Daredevil was the one that, yeah, just tighten. Daredevil tighten was the one that, like, that <laughs> largely transcended it. Like, if Luke Cage was, like, eight episodes long, it would have been really good. You know what I mean? If, yeah. If Iron Fist was, like, six episodes long, it would have been really okay. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it might, it would have been mediocre at best. No, because, like, the, like, I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, it's not like there was zero good to the Iron Fist show. It just was too much bad to, like, it outweighed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. The Punisher yeah, was solid. Like, that could have probably survived being, like, eight to ten episodes. You know what I mean? Like... I think what's special about these shows, the like Arrow and Flash, they they blur the line between like try, like they're trying that when they're trying to be serious, it's it's clear and it's over the top, and it's that's when it feels most like a soap opera. But when it gets away from that, it feels like a sitcom, and I like just it's just like fun to watch. Like they're just entertaining. I love the characters; they're kind of all adorable. Uh, Arrow was actually very exciting. For the first few seasons, and then like towards the the last few, it's been like blah. And they introduced a lot of characters, and all the characters are just they they fall flat. It does seem like that, an odd ensemble. I think they definitely from the bits of it that I've kept up with, and my brother used to watch it. Yeah, um, it, it seems like they definitely dealt with some bloat of just having two oh, yeah. characters where they couldn't focus on any of them well enough. That, and that's where this gets interesting. So, um, spoilers for the fi- for the second to last season of Arrows. Arrows. Arrow here. Uh, is that uh, they, they leave the bunker and they, they claim they're not going back. Which is actually interesting because within the... Within this season, this this second to last season, they've also jumped ahead in time and showed you where people are at, which is really kind of... Which is kind of cool because, like, you're, you're seeing... They're not there anymore. Like, it's it's very different... Uh, at the end of the season, Oliver leaves because he has to go fulfill this promise that he made to save everybody at one point. It's a it's a very cosmic multiverse thing um, that he's like he agreed to to save a bunch of people in the past um, and like a different situation. So what I'm wondering is if what I feel like what they're doing is they I think they may have realized they've gotten off track with all these characters and to close out the series. They're tightening it up. Just clear, clear the decks. They're, they're, yeah, they're just I, because I, I don't really know where the next. Seat, I do know for sure one character is not returning, and she's a main character. Felicity. So, yeah, which is really funny. She Kim. It's really funny. Kim doesn't watch the show, but she'll walk in the room here and there while I'm watching the show, and somehow she always walks in when Felicity's saying something, and you just hear. Ugh. <laughs> it's just pure hatred. It's like that. It's, it reminds me of that Family Guy scene. Uh, the, in the Star Wars one. Who's that? It's the only other woman in the galaxy. I don't like her. I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you're. I thought you're gonna go with the one where um, where Meg gets um the mumps. I don't think I've seen that. And and. Peter is one of those classic like A story, B story, or one story, yeah. two story, where like one story leads into a story that takes out the second half because they have like the one two yeah, or the yeah. A B, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you like when you figure out that like Meg gets the mumps at like the halfway point of the episode, Peter turns and looks at the audience 
and he slides a remote across the table. He goes, that's right. It's a mega episode. Wouldn't blame <laughs> you. Wouldn't blame you if you changed the channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, my God. Anyway, well, I'm actually... So, we've got one, one season left. I'm very curious to see if that's what they'll do. If they'll just kind of bring it back to the roots to close it out. Because that would be really awesome. Um, I actually have been toying with the idea of... I think I'm going to start the show over and then stop when I'm done. <laughs> just so that that's what I remember. Because, like, all the stuff... The Deathstroke stuff, like, that stuff is awesome. So the Slade Wilson character, he's so good. Like, it's... it's oh, that's what's, I want what's that again. Does a good job playing him, right? Um, I don't know. I can't think of his actual... Dominic name. loves him. Yeah. Um, he actually met him at met one him of those a, Yeah, I know. He sent, he sent you that picture with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't think of his name. Oh, Manu Bennett. That's his name. Mm. He's uh, awesome. So, anyway, we'll see where that goes. Um, Flash is still going strong, though. I'm, I'm still enjoying that. Why don't you? Uh... Well, as I said, do you want to go? You, we did what you shouldn't be watching and what. You're yeah, hit almost, me a news. Almost done watching. You're not going to talk about what what you should be watching. How Scrubs doing? Uh, I actually haven't made much progress. I think I might have watched like one episode since we last talked about it. Okay, not important. Um, getting to my next new. Um, mm-hmm. Obi Wan Kenobi is going to be a Disney Plus show. So. When I went to see Hobbs and Shaw, it was in one of the ridiculous theaters, and we got the really intense Star Wars te- trailer, mm-hmm. teaser, whatever it is, uh, tickler. And <laughs> I, I, again, the, the feeling came rushing back, the feeling I mentioned in the last episode. I was like, oh my god, like it's so close. I'm, I'm really excited. And then Chris turned to me, and he goes... Uh, he he almost said it in like a in like hesitant like he didn't want me to be angry at him. He goes, "Are you still into this?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man!" And but I get it. I totally get it. So like, Chris got into Star Wars late. Chris got into Star Wars like a few years ago. Oh, uh, and then like caught up on everything and was really enjoying it. So I could see him being like a little bit burnt out on it. But that is also probably the narrative that. Folks that are not super hardcore fans are experiencing now, right? Like it's like, oh uh, yeah, okay, they're making another Star War, which like, seems which seems crazy to me with three with people who are like gonna line up for three Marvel movies a year, which which yeah, I yeah. which I love too. Like don't like this isn't huh. like sour grapes for my uh, not for you like anyone listening. Like I love both sure. of these things, but like yeah. Star Wars I like more of things I like. Yeah. Over, for, <laughs> you know, yeah. Absolutely. Like I can't. Uh, yeah. I, like I don't understand people who are like, oh, you know, like you you're still into like. Like, you're watching like, just, fucking superhero movies. Like it's the same shit. You it know made I mean? me so sad because it was so. He was. He wasn't. You know. He was just. He's. You know. He's like moderately excited for it. I. He's. It's a little. He's getting a little. He's getting Star Wars fatigue, hmm. which is fair for someone who has recently gotten up to date on all of it. I don't know, but I, I feel think. like it's the same timeline as a lot of people with like like Marvel stuff. Like I didn't grow up watch reading the comics. You know what I mean? Like this isn't like. Fulfillment of a childhood dream stuff for me, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. They, I think the with with the MCU, each movie can stand on its own away from the others, and it ties in nicely with the overarching one through four phases. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's it, it's probably like like I said, if he's just if he had just started watching all of them a few like a few years back, talking eight movies in the main storyline the movies that are adjacent are 
very close anyway. I can see it being a lot. And it's also, it's in the news a lot. Uh, it's in your face a lot. I do kind of get it, it from his perspective. That he's not, I don't think he's the norm for like the fans that are excited or anything like that. And he he almost felt bad saying it. <laughs> but it's just like, I was like, yes. Also, do not ask me that question while I'm watching this trailer. <laughs> after, sure, we could have a we could have a deep conversation about this after. I mean, that, this this story. whole this whole scenario is probably the biggest failing of Solo, right? Where mm-hmm. Rogue One was that movie that could totally stand alone on its own, even though you know how it plugs in. Yeah, because it was just a really legit movie on its own, and Solo was fine, but it was just fine, and it plugged in so deeply into yeah. the saga where and now they scrapped all the other things or started pushing them because remember it was rumored for a long time that this was going to be a movie and it was just it was even I remember us talking this is six months ago or maybe a little bit more about McGregor like agreeing to come on to do it like semi-officially and then we haven't heard anything in a while and it, like so they've been either scrapped the movies or pushed them to the shows you know what I mean which is fine because they've there's a slew of um, Disney Plus shows that they're doing with Marvel stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm fine with this. This probably makes more sense than making a movie about it. You know sure. what I mean? Because um, it can be self-contained. It can be one thing. It can last for a while. You can enjoy it at your leisure. It doesn't have to be a big successful box office thing to justify its continuation. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep, absolutely. But it further reaffirms the sense that after 9, which I think they're going to do a good job with that they need to nail Absolutely. whatever they choose to do next they have those two separate trilogies and i'm still confused about how they're going to exist alongside of or in between each other um but they they just have to nail them you know what i mean yeah and i uh, believe yeah. ryan johnson will and i hope that benny off and weiss will too so yeah i they're i'm i i've got concerns with them for sure well i did hear uh, something for some people who are concerned um to allay their fears, I saw a rumor today um, or a report today that they may not actually be the sole like lead writers of the whole trilogy. Like they may write the first one and then go more big picture to it for two and three. Sure. Or do they do? Is this going to be like um, the solo movie on a larger scale of like they start doing it that they're not happy with it? They scrap them. What's going to happen? I don't know. Well, it was like the model of... No, no. Well, it didn't say that they weren't going to be involved in all three. It just said no, no. They weren't going to be involved I'm just saying that could happen, though. But it's the model of the original trilogy, right? Where Lucas yeah. wrote and directed it, and then yep. he kind of probably... Yeah, he, co-wrote he wrote and directed the, the first of the, of, the, of the three. The worst of the three. Well, no, but he... No, he... Oh, wait. You mean like the right? original Star Wars? Yeah. Well, some people pick that as their, their favorite. or That's great. Quote, unquote, That's fine. Best. Um, That's a nostalgia thing, in my opinion, but they could have their reasons. I, I still think that objectively, it's probably a better movie than than Return of the Jedi. Even if I maybe slightly prefer Return of the Jedi, I think it it, it holds up as a better bit of film than. That's fair. You know what I, I, mean? th- I think I think that's fair. I, 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 you know, it's funny as a growing up, and probably until a few years ago, I, I'm I'm on the fence, but yeah. Uh, Jedi used to be my favorite. Yeah, I know. 
but uh, I'm I'm not really sure where I stand anymore. I just I just love Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, it was that same model, right? Where he wrote and directed it, and then he took a more big picture. Like there was two different directors who did the next two movies. There was oh, you know what? Lawrence Kasdan to do the writing of those two movies, but he was still a part of the directorial process and a part of the script writing process. Yeah. No, but yeah, well, and that that could work because they they can uh, they've proven to be strong early on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, still a little bit bitter about that. But, but anyway, uh, to get back to the story, um, it says that uh, he is more than likely. Oh, sorry, he is in talks. This is on deadline. He's uh, Ewan McGregor is in talks about reprising his role as the heartfelt but headstrong Jedi Master known as Obi Wan Kenobi, and they get to be titled Disney Plus series. Uh, deadline has confirmed. Details details about the series following the Jedi Master are being kept under wraps. Um, and this is some stuff about the fact that he played before. Um, he planned to produce a standalone Kenobi feature um, that morphed into the current plan for a big budget series for Disney Plus. Just as the discussion of a Boba Fett film years ago gave way to the similarly spirited The Mandalorian series, it may seem like a demotion in status and priority and a reaction to the disappointing returns of the Han Solo film. Disney Plus is a small screen venture of colossal importance to Disney. The digital subscription service has become an all-hands-on-deck mission for Disney with a bevy of shows from Marvel Studios and major budget original programming such as the high-profile remake of The Lady and the Tramp. It's funny. They it's a good it's a good move to do these things uh, to have these big interesting things on Disney Plus because I'm sure I'm not in the minority here. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to pay for it, and if it's bad, I'm going to stop. You like, know, so they I, do need to own it. I forgot. I, you know, I think it was in our off week. Um, I found out that I think I'm going to get it. Well, not for free, per se, but I already have ESPN+. Plus. Oh, okay. And I think that they're, like, bundling with that. So, like, they may yeah. be like, hey, do you want to cool. bump up your thing, like, 2 or $3 a month or something like that for it? Like, rather than having smart. to buy it on its own? like Because they, they introduce like, four separate packages or something like that of how you can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's part of it is bundled with ESPN+. Plus. So yeah, Dis- Disney+, Plus, Disney+, Plus, Plus. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a smart move. Uh, but like I said, like this is, I haven't, there hasn't really been a subscription service that I've, I've thrown my money at yet. So like Netflix, we have a family thing through T-Mobile. I get access to it. Oh. It's completely how it's supposed to work. It's not like I'm using somebody else's sign-in. I have it through my phone plan. Uh, see, I have my own Netflix. Uh, HBO, uh, I use my parents. Oh. <laughs> um. But I also only watch. I only watch like watched very specific things, and I haven't really been watching anything on there since. Um, I have paid for it in the past. Just when we, yeah. Anyway, uh, this one I'm going to buy for myself, and I'm going to make the call on whether or not it continues to be paid for. I mean, and I feel I, like that's going to be driven almost entirely by the Mandalorian, which is supposed to be out at yeah. Oh, at it launch, is. So. They're going to have to. Uh, well. It depends on how far they space them apart because even if I don't like one, I would probably they probably get like a they probably get like a two strikes situation here where like ah uh, if I didn't care for that one I might re like stop and then resubscribe for the other thing and mm. then if that doesn't work then it's well there's like ten Marvel shows coming to it and then in the first yeah like those months, I'm not so. I'm not I don't know about those I'm, those are not the ones that are selling me on the platform mm. they are the ones that will keep the platform active. 
in between the Star Wars ones for now. Unless they pick up and become the thing that I'm excited about. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Which kind of, which is funny because that ties into what your statement about you love the MCU, but Star Wars is your... Yeah, like I'm, I'm with you. Um, I want to give a podcast shout out. Oh. So, I listen to a lot of the IGN... Almost, no, not all of them. I listen to a lot of the IGN podcasts. Uh, lately, I've been really into Beyond which is their PlayStation one. And they had their 600th episode like a week or two ago. There was, so they do this wonderful segment. I just, I adore it. It's called memory card and people write in and they tell stories about like, they're like, they're really heartfelt stories about video games and they're generally related to PlayStation. Like, and like a lot of them have been specifically related to a memory card, which was kind of funny early on, but there it's more about like, really emotional attachments to gaming at an early age or like at certain points in your life really they're really sweet on the 600th episode they played this song that someone submitted and i was on i was in my car i was on my way to pick up my endgame blu-ray uh, my my endgame 4k blu-ray from best buy and the end of this beyond episode was playing and the song started playing and i swear to you there were tears while I'm driving alone, it was just so sweet. Like, I just, it's so worth listening to. Just if you have any sort of attachment to video games or, I, you, you, there's no reason for you not to be emotional. Watch it. Like, you don't, you might not cry, but you're going to feel something. Wait, what song? It's just a, it's someone, someone wrote and performed and sent in as a memory, as the memory card segment for this episode. It's oh. the 600th episode of Beyond. I very much so encourage you to go listen to it. Even if you're not a PlayStation fan, if you were just if you have any connection to video games at all, I adored it. And I think that all the the work they do there is just so much fun to listen to. So that's the shout out for this week. Um speaking of podcasts, when are we uh, expanding the Spin Tune Podcast Network? We'll have to see. There's there's things in the works there. Okay. Um, little tease for the listeners. Little tease, little tease. I, I'm actually because I mentioned I was going to pick up Endgame. I'm gonna end end on the on the topic of getting emotional. Uh, I'm gonna give you my last nugget here, which is uh, so I got the Endgame Blu-ray. I I had another half a day of work left, so I just kind of put it on in the back. I'm just so familiar with the movie. Like I, even though I've only seen it twice, I'm pretty sure I could recount it beat for beat. And I I just put it on in the background. And I'm listening to it, like, because I listen to music pretty loud usually while I'm working. Uh, I like to, I keep my ears focused on something. It helps me focus in on what I'm doing. It's it's strange. It's not distracting to me. It, it helps me kind of laser in. You can't have um, any distractions when you're plugged in. So, <laughs> so I, uh, so I had that on. I had it actually pretty loud. So that I was, I, I could hear it. I knew what was going on. I knew the scenes. Every once in a while, you know, when I need to take like five, I look up, you look, you watch it for a little bit, you go back down to the work. I was I was mid I was in the middle of typing something and I don't even remember the exact scene. This is what's very bizarre about it. It was a Peter Parker uh Tony Stark scene. And I'm mid typing and I go <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and I was like, why am I like I'm I'm not even really paying attention. Why am I emotional? <laughs> and I just it, and then it dawned on me, it's because that movie is so goddamn good <laughs> it's amazing and i just can't get over it and it was it was at that point where i stopped what i was doing and i texted you that i want to do another episode <laughs> that's when i texted you <laughs> uh, i i love that movie man 
I want to watch the the uh, deleted and extended scenes. I haven't seen them yet. I just thought they would have been cut into it for the release for the Blu-ray release, but I guess they're just on a separate disc. Yeah, I think it's separate. Um, speaking of <clears throat> nuggets around Endgame, um, how cool was that whole story um, that I sent you from Matthew? That Curry? was awesome. <clears throat> so so um, cool. For anyone who is not a fantasy football fan, you may not know the name, but Matthew Barry is like the head of like or at least the face of fantasy football content on ESPN. And when me and Anthony were watching Endgame, uh, the scene where, spoiler alert, guys, um, they're back in the past at Stark Tower during the events of Avengers 1. Um, And there's a scene where Alexander Pierce comes in, the Robert Redford character, and one of the guys who is like the S.H.I.E.L.D. slash Hydra agents who's with him I like was like, oh my god, is that Matthew Barry? And Anthony's like, what? And I was like, you're not even gonna know who the fuck I'm talking about, but I'm pretty sure that's Matthew Barry. And I looked it up right after we walked out of the theater, and I was like, oh my god, that's him. Even though apparently he couldn't confirm it for like another week after the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in his like preseason, like one of his big preseason articles, he writes long winded intros like that to all of his like weekly things. Um, not all that was a uh, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does that for every one of those things, um, once a week, I guess it is. Um, plus, he has another big one that comes out at the beginning of every year. Um, so, if you like um, Endgame stuff, or you like reading about people getting to like live out their like wildest dreams, um, find Matthew Barry's uh, link it link it out in the episode. Post. I'll link it out um, in like our if you go to spintune.com and you click the post for that um, for this episode. Yeah, you'll see it in that those uh, hyperlinks don't get carried over to uh, our actual podcast platforms, um, but it'll be in our post that we put out on the Spintune website website every day. The Spintune website. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you don't have to know anything about football or anything at all if you're a fan of uh, Avengers or, like I said, anyone just getting to like gush and write about doing the coolest thing ever. Um, he wrote about being like asked to shoot for that movie and like going in and the fact that he literally like helped make a decision of what something should do that end up making the final cut and everything. Like it was just a really cool. It's very. It's a great read. It's very entertaining. Yeah. So he was actually, he got started as a screenwriter um, in in Hollywood like 20 or 30 years ago. I guess 30 years ago. Um, hmm. I think he wrote one of the Crocodile Dundees or like oh co-wrote it. Like he wrote on a couple of like sitcoms, a couple, maybe one or two other movies. And like it was going to be a recreation or like, like a reboot or whatever of like the Muppets that he was like all in on. He's weirdly obsessed with the Muppets. Um and like he's like it like never actually made it, and it was like he's like he's like I, he goes, we had like obsessed the, with the Muppets, well, like, like Jason Siegel. Yeah, no, it's weird. Um, <laughs> but you know, he was like, <laughs> does, I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, no, he had like this whole thing where he's like, oh, like we had this like whole new idea and this and that, and it was gonna be super cool, and like they were like running with it, and then it like killed before ever making it, and it's like. Mm. Like, it, like, haunts him or whatever. And for whatever... Like, he always, like, loved sports, loved football, loved, like, fantasy sports, even before fantasy sports was really even, like, a thing. And he just, like, started up a website on the side, kind of like what we've done with the Spin Tune, and eventually monetized it and, like, run with it. And now he's, like, making seven figures doing fantasy football shit on TV. Like, <laughs> it's a... His, his story is it's wild. It's a wild ride. His story enough is wild. Like, 
even with just like all of that, let alone getting to like backdoor his way into being in fucking the biggest movie of all time or one of them. Right. That's that's it, it's really fun. You should just definitely check it out. Uh, was that your was that a new or a nugget? That was my final nugget. I have one less okay. new. It's a modified reading. Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, let's do it. I'm done. So okay. Um, so we're gonna do a reading. Uh, it's gonna be slightly modified because I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I'm okay. going to read select portions of it, kind of the way I did the Goldeneye one. Um, the title of this article is "The Definitive Ranking of Sharks." <laughs> what? <laughs> so uh, my friend Alex, a uh, friend of the podcast, um, sent this to me this evening, and I read the headline and I said, "This is gonna probably make the show tonight." Um, and so it's the definitive ranking of the sh- of sharks on the ringer um, by Miles Surrey and Megan Schuster. Um, so uh, <laughs> the idea is during each of the past few summers, we've been blessed with a shark flick. The Shallows in 2016, 47 meters down in 2017, the Meg in 2018. The tradition will continue on Friday with 47 meters down, colon, uncaged. A sequel to the 2017 <laughs> film that replaces two women trapped in a disconnected shark cage at the bottom of the ocean with four high school girls trapped in a series of underwater caves with a bunch of huge and blind, pale, great white sharks. It looks completely absurd, which is to say that you damn well know I've already bought my ticket for opening. (laughs) (laughs) To celebrate, the Ringer's two biggest shark enthusiasts, myself and Megan the Meg Schuster, have decided to rank the top 25 sharks in pop culture in the real world. Okay. Okay. Quick notes before we get started. Because this is a ranking of pop culture sharks and not shark species, not all of the sharks appearing on this list are actual sharks. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. And to put together I don't our know list... That you need that disclaimer. <laughs> to, to, put, to put together our list, we composed rankings and determined the final order via average scores in order to accurately reflect our opinions. Um, it ultimately didn't matter for certain entries, like Baby Shark, which is one we would both jettison to the surface of the sun. With that said, let's get to the rankings. <laughs> Number 25. Baby Shark. Um, the only comment on this was, fuck this noise. Nice. Um, you are familiar with the phenomenon, Baby Shark, do, right? Do, 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 yeah, exactly. Baby Shark. Do, yeah. I was mowing the lawn Kim, today. Kim watches kids. Nice. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, I was mowing the lawn today, and there was the tiniest fucking snake in the world. And so I was singing Baby Snake. Uh, <laughs> oh, Naturally. <laughs> Uh, number 24. Lone Sharks. <laughs> as far as these things go on the danger to your daily health spectrum, predatory lending is greater than the predators of our oceans. It's a testament oh to the... Oh my god. Perf- <laughs> it's a testament... That, that could have been a number one slot. Yeah. Um, it's a testament to the profound awfulness of Baby Shark that Lone Sharks didn't capture the last spot. But that doesn't mean they aren't universally despised, too. The absolute worst is when loan sharks have super catchy commercial jingles. If you've ever stumbled across the, an ad for J.G. Wentworth, 877-CASH-NOW is probably ringing in your head as we speak. I want my money, and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number 23, Shark Boy. Do you remember Shark Boy? That sounds familiar. Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Uh, so that, that was, was an airplane movie a long time ago. Oh, man. Uh, that was Taylor Lautner before he was in the Twilight movies. It was like 13-year-old Taylor Lautner, which is kind of hysterical. Um, oh, my God. It was one of those things where, like, I, I, I've seen the first Twilight, I think, twice. 
watched it with my sister. She was a huge fan. Sure. Um, but uh, I remember the movie Shark Boy and Lava Girl coming out when I was like a teenager or like twelve or something, whatever. Like, but I never saw the movie. But I remember like a ton of promotional material. Oh yeah, there was like a that. lot. Uh, especially because it was like very clearly ripping off like the Spy Kids stuff. Which mm-hmm. why did they ever let Robert Rodriguez make kids movies? It's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it very clearly was ripping off that whole aesthetic. Yes. Um, so, yeah, before he was a shape-shifting werewolf who... In, uh, sorry, this is a bit of context I didn't get because, like I said, I only saw the first Twilight movie. Before he was a shape-shifting werewolf who imprinted on the child daughter of the woman he once loved. Mm-hmm. Parentheses, that's fucking weird. In the Twilight movies, Taylor Lortner was Shark Boy. I recall thinking the adventures of Sharkboy and Lava Girl were distinctly terrible in 2005, and after perusing a few YouTube clips, it might be even worse than I remembered. At one point, with the magic of hokey early 2000 CGI, Sharkboy fed sushi to Great Whites. Oh my god. Yep. Uh, while I am sympathetic towards the young Lautner for being saddled with two roles that are giant signal flares for internet mockery, it doesn't take away from the fact that Sharkboy is so fundamentally trash. Alright. Number 22. Pool sharks. Pool sharks? Yeah, no, someone who, like, hustles... Yeah, no, I got you. Uh, Pool Hall Junkies? Great movie. You should check that out. I've never heard of that one. It's a fantastic film. We should do that one one day. So this is why I said modified reading, because I'm not going to read the one about pool sharks. Oh, yeah, keep going. Pool sharks. Um, 21. The sharks from West Side Story. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, this is so good. Keep going. Do you ever just run into your crosstown rivals and engage in an elaborately choreographed street fight? No. With respect to one of the great musicals of the 20th century, it's hard to take a street game called the Sharks seriously when they're spitting in the air like dolphins at SeaWorld. <laughs> oh my god. Number 20. The San Jose Sharks. They're a perennially, perennially solid hockey team. They've made the playoffs in 21 of their 27 seasons in San Jose. Which is a Wait, remarkable, are, are, remarkable these season. are the worst Sharks or the best Sharks? Uh, we're ranking from 25th to number 1. Okay, got it, got it. Um, of the best sharks of all time. Got it. Um, most of this isn't very important unless you're a hockey fan until it gets down to a tweet with an embed of the cover of the body issue of ESPN with two of the San Jose Sharks players on it. Uh, if you're not familiar, this is the 2017 edition. Um, if you're, are you familiar with the ESPN body issue? Yeah. Okay, so it's two dudes entirely naked covering their junk with their hands and having... Mm-hmm. Long flowing locks coming down from their beard, oh like, like knee length. Jesus Christ. Um, number nineteen. The shark Fonzie jumps in Happy Days. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Told you we were going to talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> the TV moment that sparked a phrase that sparked a thousand subsequent references to flailing media entities. Not a great moment for the actual shark involved, as it gets absolutely owned by the Fonz. It's also a pretty weird moment all around, because Fonzie appears to be water skiing in a leather jacket. Naturally. Regardless, this was a cultural moment of the highest order, and it will live in infamy for as long as pop culture or, you know, the world exists. My older roommate used to use Jump the Shark way too often. Oh. Uh, it's a good phrase, but it needs to be deployed judiciously. Oh, yeah. And in the right context. Well, that's what judiciously means. Uh, it, more so, though, like, it's it, it, also, it could be used and just not the right time. Sure. Like, it could fit. Okay. I, I guess I kind of was, 
and that's of, where I think judiciously comes in. I was filtering up the fact that it would be in proper context if you're doing it judiciously. That's fair. Um, the number 18, the shark from the shallows. The supremely territorial jerk ruined Blake Lively's surfing trip slash grieving process over the death of her mother by chomping on her leg and then preventing her from swimming back to shore. A what? <laughs> did, you not see, did you not see the shallows? No, I didn't see the shallows. I, I didn't the shallows. Uh, meanwhile, obligatory dumb characters take turns getting devoured while she's hanging onto a protruding rock. In terms of on-screen badassery and sheer perseverance, few have made it formidable. Oh my god, as this is fantastic! This great white, who's like the Novak Djokovic of sharks. This is just a ringer shout-out, basically, right? Yes, That's what this whole absolutely. segment is. Got well, it. also, it's just it's just great stuff about sharks. Sure. Um, the final line of this, I'm going to skip the rest of that paragraph, but the final line is, I know Blake Lively is quite the literal, in this case, snack, but she's not worth this much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Number 17, Jabberjaw. Um, Jabberjaw was apparently a... It was with the sea levels rising in the dystopian future presented in the 70s animated series, Jabberjaw might soon resemble our own. In 2076, when humanity apparently lives under war, water and an anthropomorphic great white named Jabberjaw is the drummer for a band called the Neptunes. What? Reading the plot synopsis for each episode is a real trip, such as Jabberjaw and the Neptunes accidentally go through the Bermuda Triangle and are taken prisoner by sorceress Madame Sargasso. But as far as Hanna-Barbera productions go, I was more of a Scooby-Doo kid. Oh my god. Number 16, Shark Bites Fruit Snacks. Wow! <laughs> That's a blast from the past. Number 15, Card Sharks. Every time I come back from Vegas, I decide to become a card shark. This vision lasts a few hours. Me glammed up sitting at tables with the rich and famous and cleaning house. Then I remember that I have neither the money nor the knowledge necessary to devote my life to scamming others. But it's fun to imagine. Why? Which is why Card Sharks top the Card Shark... Pool shark, loan shark trio on these rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright. No, number 14. I, before you keep going. Yes. Because I'm gonna be really annoyed. I feel like we're we're pretty far into the list for street sharks not to have come up. What do you mean street sharks? You don't remember street sharks? I don't. Them? It was like a it was a cartoon. They they wore rollerblades. It was I have whole no memory. Thing. I have no memory of this. Oh my god! What? I'm just going to tell you, I'm pretty sure it wasn't on the list. Oh, man. All right, go on. Number 14, King Shark. Oh, nice. I'm going to be honest, I don't read comic books or watch much in the way of comic-related movies or TV shows, but in doing my research for these rankings, I am a journalist after all, I read that King Shark is the son of Shark God. That's right, in this fictional DC Comics universe, there is a Shark God, and so in order to not piss off my new underwater overlord, I will give King Shark a spot in the middle of the list. Fair enough. Number 13, Lenny from Shark Tale. Do you remember Shark Tale? I don't know that I've actually seen it. I saw it a couple times when I was younger. Um, it was ridiculous. It was one of those animated movies that has like a cast of way too famous people like that should yeah, be yeah, in yeah. a movie together. Um, Isn't like Brad Garrett in it or something? Probably, but like he would have been like the 15th like most yeah. famous person in the movie because Will Smith was the lead and Angelina Jolie and Martin Scorsese and I think Jack Black were like a bunch of yeah them. that's right that's right um Lenny was one of the was one of only I think three Brad Garrett might have been in Nemo oh maybe that might have been what I was thinking of but anyway Le- go on Lenny was one of only three movie sharks we put in our friendly category of our shark movie matrix from last year's release of The Meg 
and he's unquestionably the friendliest of that group. He's a complete disappointment to his Godfather-esque family. He, <laughs> he goes vegetarian midway through the movie, and he sprays paint on himself to make to make himself look like a dolphin so he doesn't scare other fish. So good. Number 12. Shark so Tank good. Sharks. Nice. Um, Say no more. <laughs> basically the billions of reality television. <laughs> Uh, 11. The Sharknado Sharks. Duh. What's scarier than a ton of sharks? A producer must have said to a room of executives sometime in 2013. A ton of sharks, get this, in a tornado. Uh, the only other bit of this we need to hear about is apparently there's a spinoff called Lava Lantula. Oh, yeah. About, you guessed it, lava ble- breathing tarantulas. Duh. That's, that's my nightmare on steroids. Number 10. Greg the Shark Norman. Do you know who Greg Norman is? I feel like the name is it like something is like a, a a sports guy is it like yes. a golfer or something. He's a golfer. Yeah. Greg, okay. Greg Norman is an excellent golfer. The Australian <laughs> won the, the Australian won two Open Championships in 1986 and 1993 and had 30 top 10 major finishes. But it turns out Norman is an even better brander. The nickname Great White Shark, now mostly just shortened to the Shark, was given to him by a newspaper writer during the 1981 Masters, and he's run with it ever since creating his personal website at shark.com and putting the word shark in the name of pretty much every business he has. Oh my god. Um, Norman has taken the always be on brand life advice and truly elevated it to another level. Number nine. Land shark from Saturday Night Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is like there's a like there are sharks that are re-entering my memory (laughs) as we're going through the list and like I don't know I I'm thinking, like, Austin Powers is going to be in here at some point. And, like, <laughs> it just, is it really? Yep. Yes. Excellent. Um, if you don't, I'm not going to bother to read this thing. If you've never seen it's because this is from back in, like, the first couple of seasons of SNL. It's early. Go find the Landshark videos uh, on SNL. They're so dumb and so funny. <laughs> and I'm not even, like, the biggest SNL guy, especially not, like, old school SNL stuff. I've seen those and they're hysterical. Number eight, friggin' sharks with friggin' laser beams. Yes! <laughs> in Austin Powers. That's amazing. Dr. Evil. What timing? <laughs> Dr. Evil endured the indignity of ill tempered sea bass in the first Austin Powers, having been denied his dream of having friggin' sharks with friggin' laser beams attached to their heads because the animals were on the endangered species list. I wouldn't know the first thing about leading an evil organization with aspirations of world domination, but having a lair filled with modified sharks seems like the ultimate flex. Thankfully, the franchise's third and final question mark entry, Goldmember, didn't just provide an unreal low light to Beyonce's acting career, but also finally realized Dr. Evil's lifelong dream. Turns out friggin' sharks plus friggin' laser beams attached to their heads equals a friggin' safety hazard, and they embedded a gift of the, la- of the shark shooting the laser and killing that crewman on the ship. Oh my god. Yes. Number seven, the misunderstood shark meme. And it's a picture of Jaws breaching out of the water. And it says, when when your well-intentioned attempts at greeting someone from another species are repeatedly misconstrued as an act of aggression, contributing to the despairing stigma that all sharks are mindless killing machines. (laughs) Number six, Bruce from Finding Nemo. Uh, All you guys need to know is fish are friends, not food. (laughs) Number five, The Meg, the aforementioned movie from last year mm-hmm. with Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, this is where we get to the real good stuff. And honestly, I thought it was a crime that it was only number four, but I don't know what in the top three it would supplant. Uh, mm. Left Shark from Super Bowl 49. Yes, <laughs> uh, we So 
Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Slack. It's, a, it's like a chat system. We use it at work. I've used it at I don't use it, but I'm familiar with it. A few companies that I've worked at, uh, and you can add custom emojis. Like you can, There's ones you can download. You can clip your own small images and GIFs that you could put in there. Uh, and we had Left Shark was one of ours. Left Shark dominated the internet for like six months, and I loved every second of it. It was wonderful. Um, number three. The intelligent Mako sharks from Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea? Yes. Yes! I was wondering when you were going to arrive. <laughs> um, we don't get a lot of Mako representation in pop culture, which is a bummer since they're the fastest swimming shark in the world. Um, and that's pretty cool. Thankfully, the galaxy brain premise of Deep Blue Sea did them justice. What if the fastest shark species in the world also got super swole and super intelligent on account of Alzheimer's research? The... <laughs> The paper-thin conceit and most characters just sh- shrug and are like, yeah, annoyingly there's this side effect where the genetically modified sharks have become really smart, but don't worry, we're close to a cure, speaks to the movie's priorities. You're here to see sharks do some wild shit, like using Stellan Skarsgård <laughs> gurney to break through lab glass, or, or interrupting Samuel L. Jackson's mid-monologue in one of the best jump scare deaths ever. Uh-huh. Deep uh. Blue Sea is a, gl- a rich, gloriously stupid text, and its scares are deeply satisfying... Because the film's trio of sharks seem particularly vindictive towards the humans, which in the context of the plot seems to be because they were experimented on without their consent. Nowadays, major Hollywood studios are way more hesitant to greenlight blockbusters based on original and laudably idiotic conceits, but at least the 90s blessed us with the super sharks before superheroes took center stage. (laughs) Man, all I want to do is watch Deep Blue Sea right now. (laughs) I've never actually seen that movie. We should totally do that. Okay, I've seen a couple of select scenes, but... Worth it. So worth it. Number two. Deep Blue, which I guess is what the movie was named after. If you're Wait, not sh- hang on. Hang on. I'm just... This is just dawning on me now. Is this the only real shark on the list? <laughs> um, What's number... It depends on what number one is, but I assume it's Jaws. It's 100% Jaws. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I guess this is the only real shark. <laughs> <laughs> Sharks? Yeah, it's top 25 sharks oh, all the time. Oh my god. Awesome. Um, if you're not a shark nerd like us and this name doesn't immediately smack you over the head with a sense of awe, here's some backstory. Deep Blue is a 20-foot-long female great white shark that actually exists. She's believed to be one of the biggest sharks ever caught on film and one of the biggest the species has ever produced. Most female great whites get to only about 15 feet long. She's vibing and thriving, alternating, it seems, between the waters off Guadalupe Island in Mexico and Hawaii. That's funny. She was spotted there pregnant earlier this year. Shouts to Deep Blue for being the only real shark to make this list. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Number one, who else could it be? Jaws and the merciless predator stalking Amity Island shores have been written about and discussed ad nauseum, including on this show, Flicks in the Six. Um, you've already read dozens of times how the mechanical shark Steven Spielberg used in the film was notoriously dysfunctional, which led to the shark having so little screen time, which in turn elevated the suspense. The unforgettable opening scene is bone-chilling because all the terror is captured from the view of its flailing victim, and the fact nobody's around to hear her screams. Jaws is an all-time great movie and the best shark flick ever made. Just because this is the consensus doesn't make it any less true. And for the rare moments in the film when we do see this huge fellow emerge from the water... 
He sure makes it count. Just ask poor Quint. Yeah. <laughs> there nice. might be sharks on this list who are proficient at golf, genetically modified to cure Alzheimer's, prehistorically huge, and who have laser beams attached to their heads. But the Jaws shark reigns supreme, as he will likely do for decades to come. That's amazing. What I gotta give is props to the Ringer teams, because why? Like, why today? Like, why now? When did this article come out? <laughs> it came out today. That's, like, why? <laughs> uh, it's because 47 meters down is, is it today? cage just coming out Friday. Okay. That's still, it's fantastic. What a, I love, I every once in a while, I, I mean, there's a lot of entertaining stuff on that site, but every once in a while you'll read that one headline that you're like, I'm going to invest my time into this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I check the site every day, and sometimes I read no articles, sometimes I read one article, and sometimes I read five articles. Right. But I don't feel like I've wasted my time in checking it every day. Right. For sure. Oh my god. It's so much fun. There's so much great stuff on there, whether it be something you want that's just idiotic like this list of sharks, or like actual real journalism, whether it be sports, movies, TV, music, There's there is almost something for everyone. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that this site aspires to be one one hundredth of what the ringer is. <laughs> right. Oh my god. That's what a way to cap off news and nuggets. Yeah, I figured I'd say that. Well done. I, I appreciate it. With that being said, shall we get into our flick of the week? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be better than the shark list. So let's for sure, it. for sure. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Lawman Luke Hobbs and outcast Deckard Shaw form an unlikely alliance when a cyber-genetically-enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. I feel like there's no other way to read that. Sentence. Yeah, no, I appreciate that you gave, like, the <laughs> movie guy voice for that. It was definitely... Oh, no, I could, I could do, like, a real movie guy voice, but I didn't want to... I didn't want to... That, that would cheapen it. <laughs> it would cheapen movie guy voice. Well, the thing is... No, like, because there's, like, movie guy voice, and then there's, like, knockoff movie guy voice. That's what that was. This is, like... But knockoff movie guy voice has like three or four subcategories, and the sure. one for like movie that's taking itself too seriously slightly, this is the one for that. Like like macho alpha act, like man, like like movie like guy voice. Oh, like, this is we'll, it. we'll we'll get into that. But okay. But um, no, I appreciate that you did that whole thing for it. It was accurate, and I had something else for this, and now I forgot what it was. But that's okay. Uh, oh wait, sorry, that's what it was. Uh, I didn't know until like. 30 minutes before we start recording that this movie is officially titled Fast and Furious presents oh, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw and that uh, made me furious. 100% titled that uh, because otherwise you would completely forget. Um, For the most part, although in the third act they finally got back to some of what Fast and the Furious is about, like namely like NOS and like fast cars that people have tinkered with. Family. Family too. But it's family. Uh, Coronas? There was no action. There were no Coronas. By the way, sorry, brief brief thing. You're going to love the title of this episode. I had to play around with the internet a little bit to get it. I honestly thought you were going to stop me right now to say, you're going to love the way you look. And I just thought you were going to leave it at that. (laughs) I guarantee it. (laughs) Uh, This, the movie is surprisingly hysterical. I didn't, so going in, I didn't know it was going to be a straight up comedy. So that's one. Um, it, I mean, it's the only way to look at it without feeling like you wasted your money. Uh, there, it's, uh, no, I actually really, uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I actually really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I was very entertained and I was laughing out loud a lot. I, I enjoyed it. Um, although 
I probably should have committed to my doing the notes immediately after I was done watching it. Mm, there's not a lot to really discuss deeply on account no, of it's not there, a deep there was movie. A funny <laughs> lines that I should have put down and I completely forgot. I did remember a couple of the bad ones. What in the fresh turkey hell? <laughs> Is that, that what it was? That one and also genocide schmenocide, which I yeah yeah which you with. yeah you graciously when I when I heard that line I was like. Oh, so this is a bad, bad movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a, it's a, I feel like it's a modern take on the buddy cop. Yeah, but, it's, but like. And yeah. It, but with the added on Fast and Furious, like way over the top. The thing that was confusing about this movie is it alternated between being bad and not realizing it was bad and then being bad and leaning into the bad. Yeah, that's, I completely agree. Which there really were, confused me because there was entire sequences right where it's like, like wink wink we know this is bad yeah like, okay like that's fun and then there's other times where it's like oh this is bad and you're taking it seriously right now and those but those are few and far between there's only a handful of those it's when they do it i'm like just don't don't we're, we all know what we're here for we all know what this is and it's like <laughs> we were go on there. a good run for a while of you like like some like fourth wall breaking almost right like, wink 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 nod nod this is absolute street trash but it's fun and funny and fuck you you like it like yeah. Which, like, if that's what your tone is start to finish, like, I'm totally okay with it. We've done a few show uh, movies on the show like that. It's like, but, like, then it got into some serious stuff. But it's like, no, no, what are you doing? Don't, don't do that. It gets to the point of, though, the only reason, w- and you know what? Spoilers or something. Because there's not, whatever. <laughs> or like, it, doesn't, it literally doesn't matter at all. There's nothing where... If you're going to see this movie, you're going to see this movie, and anything we say here is not going to stop you. See, so there's the thing that. Is, I, I felt like Genocide Schmenocide was one of those ones where they're winking at the camera, but when, when the Rock says I've been monitoring some dark web chatter, I was like, yeah. oh, that yeah. was delivered way too serious. That, 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 that hurts. Hurt. Yeah, there's, there's, there are definitely some things. Well, it's it, it's like written by... It, no, it's I'm not even getting into that. Uh, this movie, the Fast and Furious name being attached to it, is it just so that they could have used their two names and make that re- reoccurring joke of I've saved the world four times? That was the only thing, right? Yes, if they had just changed the two guys' names and made this movie, they wouldn't have had to use that. There was, there was I saved the world four times, my name is Hobbs, your, name's is Shaw, your name is Shaw, and we're also at some point in the movie going to put a camera on a crane, swoop it down below a woman's ass, and then through her legs. That is... Those were the Fast and Furious things they did. Also, Her- Helen Mirren? Oh, also Helen Mirren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's God. weird because they kept talking about how I've saved the world and we know each other and I hate you and this and that. They determinedly did not mention Dominic Toretto or anyone else no. one time. It's a little weird that Dominic Toretto's name didn't show up. Didn't even, get like a, didn't even get like a Tokyo Drift post-credit Granted, we got three post-credit scenes. Didn't even get a <laughs> surprisingly yes. <laughs> we got a post-credit, a post-post-credit, and a post-post-post-credit, <laughs> all of which were entertaining. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. There's no references. The, the only reference is like getting thrown through a wall and saving the world before. That's it. Yeah, and their and their yeah. names and Helen Mirren. <laughs> That's it. Those are the only, those are the only time, like this, there's no, I guess the, the reason to do this is just to, for the aid in selling tickets. Yeah. Right. Somebody wrote this, I feel like, and then like linked it, <laughs> like, like, just like 
force wrote that portion of it into it, like that it's these two characters. Oh, don't forget the Nos, too, because that's definitely... Well, sure, there's Nos. Through line. There's Nos. Sure, is there, there's no Corona, but there is there a tuna sandwich at some point? I feel like there's there's got to be something linking, something other uh, things that link so. it back. I, I'm going to be honest with you, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching the movie, and I knew... I, I had fun with... What's that? You broke up a bit. Oh, I was gonna say, I, I knew it was. I I know it's it's not a good movie. It's not a film. It's just purely entertaining, and it's very silly. Yeah, um, I definitely had fun with parts of it. I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much as you did. Like, I, sure. Overall, I I enjoyed it, but some of the groan-inducing scenes induced too big of a groan. You know okay. what I mean? Like, it's just like some of it's just like, ugh, like this is not. This is bad, bad. But overall, I definitely had some fun with it. But somehow it this is, might actually be the stupidest of all of the movies. It's the most fun when it is when it is leaning into being aware of what it is. Yeah. That's when it's the most entertaining. Uh, the uh, Sorry, I take that back. Because there is the... And this is a spoiler because I didn't know this going in. Ryan Reynolds steals the show. <laughs> I find him to be hysterical. You know that. I adore him. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was in this movie? Deadpool was in this movie. Deadpool was in this movie. Well, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Let's be, let's be clear. Yeah, I guess so. I just, like, he wasn't even being Ryan Reynolds as any of his other characters that are all basically the same. He was basically, specifically being Deadpool. She stabbed a man with a brick. How does that even happen? A brick doesn't have any sharp edges. It's like it had sharp edges or he didn't have any bones. I just don't understand. <laughs> oh man, he cracks me up. I love his delivery. His when he when he gets in the in the in the seat across from Hobbs in the booth and he shoes his daughter away. <laughs> over there, over there, over there, over there. <laughs> oh my god. Or at the in, in one of the post credit scenes. Where he's talking to his daughter on the phone and is insisting that she sounds exactly like her dad. <laughs> that part was good, yeah. Oh my goodness. So much fun. Guys, you just need to record friends. it and play them back to back. It's just, un- it's uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's, it's, a, it's a silly movie. Uh, let's talk about something that's not directly related to the movie. So... I saw this movie on Staten Island again, even though I swore I'd never go back to that theater. Uh, luckily, it was just me and Chris and, like, two other people in the theater, so it wasn't any... There were no savages. Um, there was no ridiculous bros making unnecessary comments. Um, it was $22 a ticket. Oh, wow, that's a lot more than I paid. That's... Yeah, and I told Chris, I was like, do you realize that... It was a Tuesday. Do you realize that on Tuesday... In Jersey, there are many theaters you can go to where it's $5 because it's $5 Tuesday and it would have been cheaper for you to cross the bridge, go to the movie over here, (laughs) than for us to go to this other theater. First of all, I've crossed the Gothel's Bridge and there's no way it would have been cheaper. (laughs) Oh, when when you live nearby and you get resident discounts and all that stuff. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I spent, I spent, I think $6.50 on this movie. Yes, that's, that's the appropriate amount. That 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 was it was also it was also in the Rumbly Seat Theater, which again caught me off guard because it just doesn't happen until like three quarters through the movie, and it just goes, "Are you still awake?" And the seat goes, and "You're like, oh my god, <laughs> what's happening?" Don't it's, give Netflix any ideas. It's very jarring. Oh, 
Yes, I'm up. I'm up. <laughs> Are you still watching? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, ridiculous plot. Uh, still not... Not it was not clear on me. Like they, she injects herself with the virus, but apparently there are capsules that are going to dissolve. It's that like was... someone. F- it's like someone fell asleep while watching Mission Impossible Two. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. The they wrote it. it well, she wasn't she in a Mission Impossible? She was in like Ghost Protocol or something, wasn't she? Fallout. Fallout. That's the one. I don't know. They all all the names of the Mission Impossible movies are ridiculous at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, the first three were just one, two, and three. Well, not one, but yes, and then two and three, so. Mm. No, so, didn't three sense. have a name? Three had uh, a it was just It was just three, and then it was really? Ghost Protocol. I want to rewatch all those movies. I enjoy those. Yeah. The thing is, I it's only since they've had McQuarrie do the last two that I've started to fully appreciate how ridiculously different the first four are from each other because they're all completely different directors. Oh, yeah. What about the the second one is just an acid trip. Well, it's just John Woo, like late stage John Woo indulging in all it's like for all I complained about Tarantino indulging in all of his Tarantino-ness, mm-hmm. that one is all just John Woo. Like the doves, like come on. Yeah. It's just John Woo indulging in all of his woo-ness, like that's that's fair. The doves. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I I don't know the uh, the the banter between the two of them is it uh, it's very sh- it's very clearly scripted right there's no there's no room for real improv at all I feel like in any of the lines well I don't think I don't think improv is either of those guys sure suit. but um, I, there's not a chance of it it's very it's very like delivered off the page well you can tell in the in is one of those scenes where it should have been good but it was bad because it was came out as very stiff the first scene where they're actually on screen together and they're just yeah. hurling insults at each other it's like yeah no that sounds like you're just reading it off a page but at the same, like you guys are riffing it all at the same time it was also it felt like a wrestling clip yeah but the problem is, is even the wrestling like clips they do a better job sometimes of, they like that the being line delivery juxtaposed with the the scene on the plane where also, like, delivered in that same cadence, but didn't feel as off the page, because I feel like at that point they were in a groove, I guess, when they were filming. That whole back and forth across the aisle was really funny, especially yes. the scene when he... Oh, I forget exactly what he says about the air between us, and he inhales, and he goes, and there's none of that left. That, yes. that I, I spit a little bit of my drink out at that one. And then Kevin Hart coming, the air marshal, was just... <laughs> no, that, that, that was a much more organic scene like natural scene than the one where they first meet up and it might have just literally been them the order which they shot the movie you know in which case it's like okay we're still feeling out how to do this for a whole movie instead of like three scenes in a movie Mm -hmm. um but yeah no the 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 scene on the plane was much more relaxed and like natural than the one they first show up in london together and deep voice kevin hart was fantastic as well Stop doing that. It's very obviously not your voice. They're they're just like, no, 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 no. (laughs) I liked the opening sequence, uh, like the side-by-side clips. Yeah, I thought that was actually really cool. That was like one of the few like things I like was like, oh, you know, this is like a smart, like cool thing. Like how like, you know, mirrors their day. Like they they do the exact same thing. Yeah, felt like a modernized 80s buddy cop. Slight digression, but they're basically like variations on the same theme. You're beating the shit out of each these guys, you know. The one of them has the one torture method, you know, has the other one, and either of them would probably, like, mock the other for what they chose to do, but mm-hmm. it's perfectly on brand for both of them. It got the job done. 
I just love that he's he's making his eggs. He's doing everything real nicey nice. Everything's a little fancy, and then the Rock is just like cracking eggs into a glass, slurping it down, chewing on coffee grind. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, that that whole parallel opening to the movie was really well done. And very yeah. smart. It was it was it was fun. Uh, <sighs> Idris Elba. Yes, go on. That character was absurd. Well, you don't just start with his name. His name is Brixton Lord. It, yeah, so I don't even expect? want. To, I know that's why. That's why I said it's yourself. <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> it's Brixton Lore, Are you fucking kidding me? It's too much. It's too much. That. I mean, the concept was was fun, and it was. It's like that's like the that's the opening of oh, this is how ridiculous we're gonna get. Okay, that's well, this is what we're signed up for. But it's even so. It's it's just he's oh my god! I can't even hit the whole the the whole on black Superman thing. Just stop! Like when it was in the trailer, just don't do it. <laughs> and then and well, maybe they'd cut it out for the movie, but they didn't. <laughs> no, it worked. It worked because later the Rock goes, "Wow, he really is black Superman." <laughs> no, no, that didn't make it work. That just reminded me of it again. <laughs> that was that was really dumb. Uh. You know what? Actually, I want to take this moment to say, though, to their credit, yes, that was very bad in the trailer and they should have taken it out. I want to talk about something else that was completely moronic in the trailer that actually ended up working. When they showed them getting ready to go against this high-tech military force mm-hmm. with bats and clubs, I was like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And they actually came up with like a legitimate in-world solution as to why that was going on. I was like, you know what? Touche. Very plot convenient way of doing it too. Yeah, they did that, and then they were but like, there you was know what? Least, like there was a setup to it. You know what I mean? Like with where she tries to use the gun earlier. And oh it yeah, didn't work. Like like it Absolutely. all. Even though it was a little cheesy, like it all totally worked and it made sense. And it took something that looked beyond idiotic in the trailer and like you know what? All things considered, that actually makes sense. I also like that they were very clear. Like in four minutes, we realized this will get old, and yeah. that's when we're going to turn the guns back on. Yeah, and like they even say at the beginning. Oh, we're going to get, like, six minutes out of this guy. Yep. (laughs) How about that scene, pulling the helicopter with... That was... Actually, that was very... That was very modern Fast and Furious. Yes. That was, uh... That was just, like, a scene that... I feel like they just re-edited an existing scene. (laughs) Like, uh... Michael Bay... Bad Boys 2 bridge style. <laughs> Speaking of Michael Bay, they even stole some tracking shots from him. <laughs> like when uh, he goes to meet uh, Hattie up on the uh, the hilltop, and it's just mm-hmm. like an egregious like, tracking shot around oh, him yeah. as he's walking. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, they try to make it like a little bit romantic, and you're like, please don't lean into this. Please don't. And then they make it awkward and funny, and it's like, all right, I'll love it. Oh man, it, and then and then back to the Michael Bay explosions. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. The Rock. So here's you know what I, I'm I'm curious about this. When the Rock comes out, Dwayne, if you will, uh, Hobbs to the layperson. Uh, when the when he, when the Rock comes out uh, to confront these all of these whatever weird military with his giant club thing, he's also wearing like a. A cloth around his waist, which I was wondering why. Like he has shorts; those have to work better than this. Uh, turns out the shorts were underneath because at some point that just comes off, and he's wearing the shorts. What I thought was interesting 
is there they they make this very clear in the scene. Once they're exiting this whole brawl and like they're gonna jump onto the car, he jumps onto the car and someone throws him a shirt to put on. Yeah, I was a little confused by that too. What is he is he again I don't I mean I don't really care. I just very it was it was jarring, which is why I care. I, I mean, speaking as someone who is against shirts in general, sure. Yeah. Um, I said to you while recording the shirtless. Um, Naturally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I I didn't get why they did it. I didn't get why they did it on screen. Um, it was weird. Um, and didn't they even make a joke about it being too small? Like even before he gave him the shirt, yes. or whatever. Like didn't he like he made like some crack about it? Yep. Yeah, I, it, it was a weird. That decision. was really weird. That was a very strange scene. Somehow it would have been less weird for them to just cut and then him be wearing a shirt the next scene. Yeah. He probably wouldn't have even noticed. Mm, I mean, they made a point of his shirtlessness up till then. I would have, I would have been a little confused. It also was the yeah, first shirt. Yeah, but we're, we're pretty deep at this point. You don't really care what's going on. That's true. I will say that you as, know where cool the as, going. as cool as some of the things that they did were in those final sequences, uh, it definitely got like a little bloated and too long, like how long the whole like action sequence went. Well, it did that whole thing that you experienced with uh, episode eight, where they're going through this ridiculous exit sequence of this base that they're in. I was like, aren't they going to go to Samoa at some point? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and then they do. And then there's the rest of the movie. That's apparently the only, the end of the second act. <laughs> I love how, I love how, yeah, you know, there's a whole other act of the movie. And I love how that's become like my last Jedi experience. Yeah. And it's totally accurate. Like that. that oh, wait, just there's what it more. Is. Yeah. <laughs> The same thing. Like there's almost an entire act of that movie left. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, oh, so bizarre. I don't know. Overall, I had a I had a blast watching it, and the the lines were funny enough. And it really, it's just I like I said, I love Ryan Reynolds, man. And I didn't. I did you know beforehand that he was going to be in this? No, I didn't either. And when I saw, I was like, I feel like how did that slip under the the two the cameos were great, um, super entertaining, and I. I'm gonna buy this one, obviously. I mean, I, have I gotta, I gotta be honest. Movies. I was very surprised and confused when Cliff Curtis showed up with a full beard and big braided <laughs> ponytails. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, is that fucking Cliff Curtis? And why? <laughs> Cause, basically, that's um, that's the answer to every why question in this franchise. Well, that's you know fair Cause. enough, but uh, yeah, no, that genuinely surprised me. Of all the people in the world to have opened up the door and be his brother. We got a very forced people's eyebrow. <laughs> that was unnecessary, but it was fun. I was I was surprised. Um, what's his name was in it? Roman Reigns. I think they're cousins in real life. Him and uh, The Rock. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. He was one of the brothers or yeah. cousins or whatever. Huh. That was a. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that when uh, his brother punches him in the face. Right away, and they had that little bet. Like, that yeah. was very on the nose. Like Yeah. Literally. Literally. Um, the I actually... It's funny. In the previous Fast and Furious movies, the ridiculous scene was in the trailer. They've been, they've been blowing that for the past, like, three or four movies. And with this one, I feel like the ridiculous scenes were in there, but they go on long enough or they have a little, un- enough added onto them where there's still stuff that I hadn't seen when they came about. I was like, oh, all right. I was actually, I, there was some there was some shockers in there. It made it entertaining to watch for the first time because you weren't having the whole thing spoiled for you within the trailer. So that was cool too. 
Which I also, I gotta be honest, I, that whole truck copter scene was pretty badass. Uh, truck cop. Oh, the, the one that mentioned before with <laughs> I mean, all, all of the cars pulling the helicopter? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, truly egregious, and they're gonna keep doing the whole thing where it's like The Rock, like, doing not just yeah. superhuman, but like beyond superhero, like, levels of strength stuff, like him holding. Between, like, the truck and the fucking thing. It reminded me of the, uh... He grabbed a chain and held on to the helicopter. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it was I got like, you. Did they, didn't they do the same thing? Wasn't that a Captain America thing? Didn't he do something like that where he, like, he, leaped? And he's, like, he he's held going. the helicopter, like, the, the skate on the helicopter and the, the top of the building. And he just yeah. like, pulled them together. And his biceps glowed in the sun. It oh, was- yeah. <laughs> It was gorgeous. Uh, yeah. immaculate that is America's muscles. ass. <laughs> oh man! It's the same thing as when uh, what's his name? You know, when, when the the last movie where he grabs the fucking torpedo and throws oh, yeah. it like it's like you realize that's it's like five hundred pounds. It's entertaining and ridiculous that he held onto the the helicopter with the chain. What actually the only thing that actually bothers me about that scene is how he wraps the chain back around the wench and well, yeah, like that's that. He just threw it at it. It was like the Family Guy enter the chair. Like he just threw the chain at the thing, and it wrapped around it and started reeling it in again. No, Very dumb. Good. Also, I, though I did love when they're driving, and he punched out Jason Statham's window, which I thought he was gonna like. Oh, uh, that was good. About, and grabs a dude by yep. the neck, and they're just driving. And I was like, first of all, the amount of shoulder strength. Second of all, when he hits that pillar, his own arm would get torn off. Oh of yeah, it, and he just like. Suns him directly into the fucking post and lets him so go. Good. It's like, Jesus. That was a that was a great scene. Also, the camera in the car with the three of them in the car <laughs> at the same time was was really comical. Yeah, it must have been really cramped. <laughs> so that was awesome, man. I, I see. You you seem to have had fun. No, I definitely had some fun. It's just like there's some stuff that's like unconscionably bad in it too. Yeah, but you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Uh, I just... <laughs> I think it could have somehow dealt with being even more irreverent, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's um, also, I'm a little confused why Eddie Marsan reprised his role from Atomic Blonde, but this time just got to use a flamethrower. <laughs> like, you realize he played literally the exact same character. Yeah. Except this time, instead of being a sniveling little shit, he's a sniveling little shit who mans up and grabs a fucking flamethrower and yeah. torches everyone. This. It, was, it is it is the same character. <laughs> Just can you come over here out of that movie, please? <laughs> I mean, like he's a good actor. He should be allowed to do more than that. Sure, but I mean, we're not really hiring for your acting chops when it comes to Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> no, I'm just curious about why that's the, like the only real work. Oh, did. you know what just dawned on me is another one of those scenes that was just too much. The dark web thing was too much, and the other scene was. When he commands them to invert the colors on the camera and then highlight the areas that the camera can't see, that's where she is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't great. I was like, all right. (laughs) But the two of them going back and forth the whole time is really funny. And like, yeah, at the end, they're going to call each other brother and it's going to be adorable. (laughs) I'll have a Corona. (laughs) Oh, my God. You got anything else? 
No, not really. Yeah, it's it's a short one, but it's if you're even remotely attached to these to the Fast and Furious franchise, go see this. If you liked any of the other ones, you'll enjoy this. It's entertaining. It's it's just a fun. It's a good popcorn flick. Just just have a, have a good time. Know what you're getting into. That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at spintune.com or tweet us at the spintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Alvi Thanks for coming out. <laughs>